Hi everybody, welcome to the latest issue of the Blue Sky Fostering Podcast. Um, I'm lucky to be joined today by Juliet. Now me and Juliet tried to meet last week to talk about this, um, but we had absolutely, well, say we, I had absolutely no end of problems um, with the technology. So Juliet has kindly given up some more of her time today to um, to go through everything with us. So thanks Juliet, I really appreciate it. No worries. Um, so um, what I wanted to do, Julia, is um, today we are going to be talking about play, aren't we? Um, and um, although we spoke about it briefly the other day, um, I want to sort of start back from the beginning. Um, and by starting off with life's most complex question, <laughs> um, <laughs> Julia, what, what, well, actually, actually, let's rewind from there because I was going to ask you what play is, but I've, we, we haven't introduced you to everybody. So, Julia, can you tell us about um, what you do um, at Blue Sky and what you do out, out of Blue Sky as well? Yeah, yeah. So in Blue Sky, I'm a clinical practitioner. So I work with foster carers who are working on the therapeutic leg care model under 12 and plus 12. Um, and I do that for lovely Blue Sky for four days. And on the fifth day, I'm a pediatrician. So um, I work with children and families with developmental delay. Yeah, so know quite a bit about play. Um, in terms of the intensity of that work. So um, play is something that um, I thought that I'd always just done for fun and, and I didn't realise what impact <laughs> it was having on the kids that I'd worked with um, in, in all the different settings because I'm um, not trying to, not on a board with what I've done in the past, but my job used to be, I was, I'm a qualified like, play worker, whatever oh. that is. But we never really touched on how play could be used therapeutically to help children and now that I've worked in the in a line where it is really seen as a massive important part I wish I'd known that back then um, because I would have probably paid more attention to what I was doing and, and I think that's really important for our carers to have conversations about what is playing and, and how is it helping our children to um, to manage some of the things that have happened in their life so mm. to start with that question that I rushed ahead of myself for um, what is play then Juliet what is play so I mean play is what you just described you know something that is quite you know automatic and intuitive and we don't think about but um, if we look at it from a developmental perspective play is the is children's work so it's um, something that's very self-directed. It's what we call intrinsically rewarding. So it gives a child something, gives an adult something, um, and it comes from within the child. And there's a difference in terms of adults play and children play. There's, for a child, there's a biological imperative to play. So play enables a child to develop, um, and particularly zero to five, there's a real rapid um, brain development um, and, and play is very important to help a child get to its um, or meet its developmental milestones. And so when we talk about the developmental milestones and um, if we were to sort of rewind like what what kind of things I say obviously developmental milestones are massive but yeah. what kind of developmental milestones would you expect to see for a children in regards to play at some of those what are the key ages to see changes possibly? It's, it's really, really hard to classify because, okay. um, uh, you know, just, you know, we have those graphs, don't we, of neurodevelopmental, yeah. neuro-expected um, uh, uh, levels, um, but, and every child is different. Um, but I think um, f for us in our work, um, we are looking for just generally 
play that um, is at the right level. So at the age of three and four, a child should be starting to play cooperatively um, uh, at, at an age uh, just yeah they, they would move from their parallel play to their more associative play cooperative play but but really just in terms of the the milestones you can get into motor milestones cognitive milestones visual perceptual milestones there's a whole raft of different milestones but I think probably for us and in relation to our work at Blue Sky the, the, the key thing is um, that engagement in play because a lot of our children will really struggle to actually play believe it or not. even our older children even our plus 12 children on the plus 12 model so for us I think our, our made less less of a focus on attainment in terms of all oh, should we be doing that should we be doing that I mean a pediatrician and a GP will be picking up and, and an OT whoever's involved will be picking up those sorts of things but for us it's all about that engagement piece and that for me is why I can't help myself out. I'm sending you emails all the time and goes, oh, this is so good. Oh, this is so good. Oh, my God. Because actually what you're doing and what the foster families are doing so beautifully is that engagement piece showing a child. This is joy and pleasure. This is agency. This is mastery. You can do this. Um, and that's what that's what our children need most of. So where does a lack of play understanding come from? Can I, yeah, can I rewind right the way back? Mm -hmm. um, because it just is, this, this sort of developmental knowledge really, really helps um, <clears throat> to understand the complexity of it, really. So when um, our children, um, when all of us are in utero in that prenatal um, place, um, the brain is laying down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of um, cells, loads and loads and loads of cells. But, and if that, baby is in quite a toxic environment maybe because its mummy is using drugs or alcohol or maybe because its mummy's got a huge amount of stress going on because her life isn't safe then that baby um, won't be getting the brain development that it needs and when the baby then comes out into our wonderful world sometimes our wonderful world isn't so wonderful for our children and um what the child needs particularly zero to five but also critically zero to two is that safe attuned um, environment where the child feels safe enough to leave its attachment figure to go and explore in play um, and by doing that there's really important development that happens and with our children, maybe they, you know, they're stopped and haven't been allowed to get out and play, or maybe they've been frightened to leave their attachment to play or to be able to explore. So then that's quite serious because they don't lay down, the brain doesn't lay down those pathways. So we're born with loads of cells in our brains, loads and loads and hundreds and hundreds of millions of them. And when we get out to the real world, it's only by doing, feeling, experiencing that all those cells synapse up into pathways. And what happens isn't rich, that is scary, that is um, that is not available developmentally in the way that it needs to be for a child. There's a, that the pruning that takes place. If you don't use it, you lose just you know, they just won't know how to play because they haven't been in an environment enriched enough to enable their brain to do its its thing. 
Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's like you know, say, don't want to say it, simplify it. Talking about like you know, if you you you're trying to, it's about putting the right roots down, isn't it? To yeah. Help, to help it grow, so that um, it's really like I I used to uh, well, do like sometimes um uh, talk to like birth children and sons and daughters about um about attachment and how how those early years help you help children to put roots down because when life hits you mm. when you're an adult obviously it's like the wind blowing and the more roots you've got down the more stable your tree is able to be to kind of yes we're all going to sway but you've got those things there to help kind of stabilize you haven't you and if the, if some of those mm. roots are, are are missing then when time do gets tough does get tough there's not as much there to stabilize you and and i guess our job as carers and those that work with young children and young people is to is to help them put down some roots into the ground now to help them through different things such as play so that when times do get tough they've got those dif different kind of um mechanisms within their brain to be able to kind of stabilize themselves and and kind of look after themselves a bit do you know what i mean so that they, they they've got those things that can help can help them i guess i'm butchering it but i know what i'm trying to say in my head. um so um no you're not butchering it at all you're not you're ex you know explaining the 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 real importance of 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 what what foster carers are doing and i think it's that it's that ultimate connection in play because um a lot of our children will be feeling really bad in themselves they just won't feel good enough not important at all um and that that's that's comes from very very early on and when you're playing with a child they can't feel shame <laughs> when you feel joy and pleasure because you're playing magnetic darts in the kitchen waiting for dinner you can't feel bad and you know that whole with the plus 12 program uh, yeah come on let's let's play balloon tennis i know it's crazy who cares but you're really important to me and i want to do this with you we're going to look stupid i don't care but what actually what you're doing is sharing affect sharing emotion with that child and doing what we call co-regulation which is, which is those weeks as you've just described that absolute and just like a mum does with the child, she smiles at the child and the child baby smiles back with our, with our um, foster children, you know, in play. It, uh, when, when I'm skipping with a foster child or, you know, a child, child that I'm working with clinically, they're smiling at me and I'm smiling back at them. And those roots, that attachment, that security is really growing. So I guess it's um, sometimes when people think of play, it, it, people might think of having to be sit down, organised, you know, board game but actually like you've just described there it's hitting a balloon around it's chucking some some magnetic darts at a, 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 a mm. magnet magnetic board while dinner's being cooked it's those smaller things isn't it that doesn't necessarily mean somebody has to win it means that you're you're doing something and you're being praised for that aren't you in a way it, it's, a, it's a you've done that wow oh good shot oh you nearly mm. got that and and um and if you've missed out on that, if you have missed out on that in your early years, is it ever too late to um, to, 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 to rewire those connections? No, not at all, because our brain is gloriously plastic, um, <laughs> which is, you know, the core of what we do at Blue Sky, isn't it? Just I, I love this job because you can see um, as those pathways that you talked about. You can see them being made and, you know, or remade or new ones being made. In fact, there was um, uh, there's uh, foster care that work with the moment. If, if they listen, they'll know who I'm talking about. Um, their child came to them at 11, and he had no idea how to play. Absolutely no. He could watch YouTube, 
Um, and uh, he could do a bit of surfing around on Spotify, but that is it. And they taught him how to play. Um, as a, and he, he stayed in his sort of solitary parallel play place developmentally, but he goes up to his bedroom and he has this a, a sort of play ball game and he is so regulated and it gives him a sense of agency and it's been huge for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, to, that's, I've gone off piece a bit, no, but no, no, no. it no, is, you know, it is, you can actually, the key thing I think for us is that, and I've, and I've, um, you know, seen this and done this myself, we play, we just get like a ball game example, we can go in too high mm. <laughs> because, um, a lot of our children, um, and they've been through rough starts and your brain develops from the bottom up. And um, this is quite, I'm a bit of a neuro nerd, so um, I don't want to get too, too biology-like, but um, the front bit of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, is often harder to come online when we've had a lot of trauma early on in our lives. We stay at the middle to the bottom bit of our, our brain. So, and so if we go in with a, a complex game of Monopoly or even Connect Four, some of our children just won't be able to sit and do it. Or if they try, they just will get frustrated so actually picking play in terms of co-regulation um you want to you want to go for the joy and pleasure and the connection and some of our children will be able to do the high level monopoly and walk you know all those fantastic um i'm looking at it frustration type games you know, yeah. just, that's amazing ones aren't they but a lot of our children particularly early on in the play in placements with us they just won't be able to hand that so from MIT, I'll often perspective. I'll often talk about things called brainstem karmas. So play that is 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 bizarre. It sounds a bit crazy, but it's play that's relational, repetitive, and rhythmic. So it so for example, dancing, drumming, singing, breathing. Um, you know, that, that sort of um, bubble making, um, rocking. I do work with, a, I'm doing um, work with a much younger child at the moment with a metronome. He's really struggling to regulate. And so we do metronome, but in terms of Rick Flow and all, you know, all the, the rapping, that heavy beat in play can really bring a child down to where you're at. And you can then share emotions, share joy and pleasure with them. Um, so brains, if you're, if you've got a child in placement who's quite hyper aroused, you, you want to go for your brainstem karmas. And there's loads of information on, on, um, on the internet about brainstem karmas. The other piece in play that is brilliant for our, some of our children who are very, very excitable, um, and, but you know, absolutely need that connection. And they need that connection for you to down-regulate them, to bring them into a place of calmness and organization. It's, um, I'm gonna use an OT word, I'm sorry, but it's, it's called proprioception, so heavy muscle work. It's hugely down-regulating and just settles the child's nervous system. You just can't go wrong. So I'll often, um, in play with a very hyper aroused, excitable child, I often do lots and lots of obstacle courses, lots of crab walking, um, where um, children are really using their muscles. Um, and I'll be looking at their eyes and smiling at them and really attuning to them. Um, and that, that in play is absolute gold dust. 
Oh, you're making me want to get up and run around. I know, I do too. <laughs> I'm looking out in my garden because we're on lockdown and I'm just looking at my trampoline thinking, God, I'm going to get on there and jump and do a wrap and that will settle me down later. <laughs> but it is, it's a rhythm. But it's, 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 there's some real um, sort of core regulatory networks at the bottom bit of the brain um, and, and um, brain stain karmas, anything that's rhythmical, um, and repetitive um, and relational. It's got to be relational. You can't just say to the child, just go and jump on the trampoline. We'll be... You've got to be looking at them and sharing their emotion and doing it with them. So how, how do we get that into... So, you know, if we use a trampoline as an example then, so, um, you know, it's it would be, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to sort of work it out in my head. So it would be, rather than saying, yeah, let's go bounce on the trampoline, actually, it would be trying to do it to some kind of some kind of rhythm as well yeah correct so it would be like let's try and do it you know like let's let's sing let's like play like the drums but let's pretend the trampoline is the drums and we're gonna every time we bounce we go boom boom boom, boom yeah. and, you're, and you're trying to get that rhythm up and then you're engaging with them whilst you're doing it and I guess you don't necessarily have to be doing it you know you could be you could be playing the drums on your chest at the same time yeah and they're jumping up and down and what, what was the third R? so relational repetitive and rhythmic Okay. There's, there's, I think six hours actually, but they're the key ones. Yeah, because I, I, it was really interesting actually. Because there was a carer again. If she listens to this, she'll, she'll know who we're talking about. She was talking about um, her and her um, her partner and their young person um, had a band, and every day they would have band practice, and it would you know they were hitting toilet rolls and stuff like that. And she said like how much it changed over like a space of a couple of weeks mm. of doing it every day, and they and then they then it, and it got bigger, and then they had a band name. Um, and uh, and and that rhythmic kind of play, mm. and they did it at the time of day when he they knew that he would be like getting hyperactive, getting really like het up, and mm. um and it really it kind of preempted that like the stressor that it would put into the house, mm. um and it just really worked and it didn't carry on forever, but um but yeah and so I think because I think I think it's sometimes because I've got a question here because when we talk about play, you know people play football, people play sports and there's a competitive element to that and there's generally a winner so if we're trying to play with our if we're trying to play with our young people what do we do about someone winning and someone losing how do we how do we uh, approach that normally talking about you know we're not talking about doing rhythmic playing but you know we're talking about how do we broach that Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 something that is very different for different children and I think some of our children and some of us gosh I know I am are just uh, are more triggered in competitive play I would say for, for me when we're talking about using play therapeutically I wouldn't use play therapeutically so and uh, using play therapeutically as in play in pace it's about attunement but in terms of that um play in a team um we the it is it's about knowing how it's going to be triggering the child and trying to be mind-minded about it beforehand um a lot of preparation work about you know pre-processing just a, a cognitive reminder of, you know, it, it might feel really bad if you don't win, but I can, we can help you and we can work through it and it's life. You know, you could do a, a cognitive pre-appraisal piece there. Um, but I think, it, you know, play that winning and losing, 
you know, will be quite triggering for a lot mm. of our children because they have lost so much sometimes. And sometimes, you know, if there's something that you really love doing, like, um, uh, you know, football, to lose, you know, it's just, it's, your world's come crashing down and you haven't had that early co-regulation um, that early soothing in that zero to five or zero to two to really help you manage the intensity of that feeling. So I think it's, yeah, that the competitive play needs to be really carefully, carefully managed. But it is a good opportunity for a massive amount of learning and a massive amount of co-regulation afterwards. You were okay, you know, it's hard, but we can get through it, you know, and that resilience building piece. But it, it's different for different people, for different children and different adults, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know some competitive people that I don't want to play football with ever again. No, um, <laughs> no uh, we've all been there, <laughs> haven't we? I think, I think that, um, I think you're, you're totally right because I think that, like, I know it, it remind when you, when you mentioned Connect Four, to, to be good at Connect Four, good in the in the classic sense of the term, you need to be thinking four or five steps ahead, mm. and actually, you know, to play. Um, to co-regulate to do things alongside them it's a difficult thing to process but it's almost the thing that you would that some people might go to and go oh we'll play connect four it's a nice fun game actually if you don't win it, it can be it can be quite stressful particularly mm. for like well i don't understand i can't understand why i didn't win because you're not able to see three four steps ahead and so actually when we're talking about play i think it's important to make that distinction for the people listening that we are talking about you know I would interpret it as you're doing fun stuff. <laughs> like yes. you're, 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 you're doing things alongside a child, aren't you? Joy and pleasure. Yeah. Joy and pleasure. Yeah. And that's it's like I... spinach. It's like spinach <laughs> for, for yeah. you know, a child who's had trauma. Yeah. Um, that's why I like, because when I do our, inter our internet safety training, is called digital world training because mm. um, I won't go off into it, but massive, but obviously, you know, there, there's no such thing as online safety anymore because we're all online all the time. So it's more about safe, being safe in general. But mm. on there, we talk about um, uh, cooperative games that you can play together with, with a young person. And mm. one of the games I talk about is a game called Overcooked, where you work in a kitchen and you have these little cartoon characters and food comes in and you have to make you work together to make burgers or sushi or fish and chips or whatever That's but so cool. um, but what you're doing is you're talking offline so you're talking you're sat around as a family playing it together um mm. and you are working together to achieve something and it it takes that com mm. it's still it's competitive but you're together and and i think that some because i've and I tried to explain it to to carers before and sometimes we go well I said, I don't play video games. I don't do stuff like that. And it's like, well, actually, we live in a world now where technology is massive for our kids. Kids want to play games. They want to bright, colourful screens and engage in and da da da. da. And so, actually, we need to look at. I mean, sometimes, my reason for mentioning it now is sometimes we need to come out of our comfort zone to get into our kids' world, like standing outside and hitting our chests while kids jump on a trampoline, um, mm. or, or, or whatever, to make it so that it's it's fun for them, isn't it? No matter what we're doing, whether you're, you know doing the washing and you're, you're kicking the socks into the dishwasher into, into the dishwasher into the washing machine and trying to make that fun rather mm. than just placing them in and being like oh this is boring mm. um so and it, yeah sorry, you're sorry, right sorry, sorry, yeah sorry. no i just i completely agree with you and i think it it it's it often it's that mood shifting as well um you know that that little bit of joy and pleasure and silliness um it just can shift shift the you know shift the mood um in 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 you know in both 
both both you know both the carer and the child and I know for me during lockdown you know we're doing lots of silly dancing around the kitchen and we've been doing it when I'm knackered at the end of the day and all of us are grumpy because the breakfast is still all over the kitchen and we haven't cleared it up but we you know and we're just doing that to shift shift a mood state and we do it for two or three minutes and then we just averted World War Three you know so um, but it is being in the right place for that emotional place of being too exhausted it, all, all those prerequisites really i like that you shift you're, you're shifting it you're, you're making that conscious effort to shift your mindset and yeah um, and, and to switch from one thing to another so so when we talk about um different types of play and and all that what, what would be some of the things then so we, we've we've already mentioned um like tra the trampoline and the rhythmic play but could you give us some specific examples based on some of the things that our carers are going through that you work with or that you know of that, that we could take from this and, and kind of try and implement across across the board for our young people that are living in our homes? I mean, for me, one of the, um, you know, I suppose the, the, the key thing is that we're all different. So some of us are going to be quite sort of affective, emotional people, and it's going to be easy for us to think, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could do that pit spitting contest in the garden <laughs> with my 15-year-old. You know, wouldn't have that in our house, but some people, you know. Or, and, but some of us are more cognitive and, uh, you know, um, more strategic and, and more planned in the way that we, we are in our personality. So it's really important to find play that you like that you can then you get into the child's mind and you think will a child like to do that with me or what's it, what are the child showing me that it could be she he or she is interested in i think an easy thing to do um is to and i've got this in, in the corner of my kitchen is a box with just stuff in it and um and they're all um it's all lower brainstem stuff so um you know i've got um, teenagers are 15 and a 13 year old um, and we've got bubbles in there we've got um, a long piece of lycra that we stretch between us and we we do um, tug of war um, we what else have we got in there I've I love got, that idea know, Julia of a lower brainstem box it is really honestly it absolutely works it really really does it's really powerful stuff we've got we've got in the kitchen I've always got um, music with a strong beat so um, or when my kids were younger we used to have Minecraft music um, playing uh, or motherese tones playing because again that sort of lower brain limbic um, um, so yeah there's so much you can put in that box so anything that's um, heavy muscle work but anything that's brainstemmy but mainly you're thinking about doing it with the child so if you're blowing bubbles so for example um we uh so we did the other day we did okay who's gonna i'm gonna blow you five bubbles and you've got to pop each one with your elbow or you've got to <laughs> pop each one um you know squeezing both elbows together and trap them um so yeah you can get really creative we've got magnetic darts in there um and we've got we've, we've got pads we haven't got um punching because I think the action of punching is not that that help. It's quite an attacking thing. And what we're looking for is that relational repetitive rhythm. We're not looking for an attack because that's going to trigger us and, and our, our children. But I've got some pads there. And um, so I'll hold the pads up and my 15 year old will sometimes do a little bit of 
um, light boxing with a pad, but I'd be quite careful about that with some of our children. So um, yeah, it's um, but again, you know, Google get all sorts of um, yeah. There's a great website called Sensory Education. It's got um, lots of wonderful brainstem karma type sensory based um, games and tools. Yeah. I mean, I might be quick because I'm just writing this all down. I'm going to build a, a, a lower brainstem box. I love that idea. I think that's so good. And I can see that working for so many of our carers. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. I, yeah. We've got, we have stuff like this. It's not like we've got bubbles, but they're in our drawer. And I'm like, they're just not easy. They don't, they're not to hand. And they, they need to be to hand. And we can be like, oh, cool, let's do this. And I like, like you say, like pop them with your elbow. See if you can catch them on your nose. Can you catch a bubble on your nose? Like just, you need to... It's just that those micro engagement doesn't need to be because that's the thing. Often with our teenagers, with our you know plus twelve teenagers, you know they'll be like, "Kids, right? There'll be no way that I can do the pee in place. Please do not ask me to do that." And the you know they're like, "For goodness sake, Jules, no." Um, and we're saying, "No box, you know corner box. I guarantee you'll get a belly laugh." Just go for one belly laugh once every two days, honestly, yeah. and start there. And even if it's just two seconds, that's the start. Um, because it, it is that co-regulation. And I've been knocking around for a fair few years. And once we start this with a child, their nervous system knows what it needs. So you'll often get children going to that box and say, oh, come on, let's do this. You know, and they'll be actually regulating themselves and you. They'll take the initiative after a while <laughs> and they'll be adding it into the family. So, um, and I'm sure foster parents do this stuff all the time, you know, every day. But it is that intentional planning of a box that are particularly brainstem orientated because we know that that part of the brain has a regula regulatory benefit for the, for the rest of the brain, the upper bit and also the body. I love that um, because obviously like play is, you know, when you're a kid, it's safe to make mistakes when you play, isn't it? Like mm. you're kind of learning, learning, you're learning, you know, when you play tag, you're learning how hard you can touch somebody when you tag mm. them, you're learning um, social interactions, you're learning all this different stuff. And actually, if that's not there, you're not able to kind of practice those things, are no. you? Um, or, or you've been taught to practice them in a, in a, in a way that isn't how, the majority of people go through their everyday life is it mm, um mm. and so yeah and I, I guess at the moment it's a good time for us to have this conversation because you know we've got the summer holidays we're steaming towards them and, and normally the summer holidays are six to seven weeks or whatever of you know the kids are home for six weeks great well actually we've all been home for, for yeah. months already and and so people are probably having to pull on their reserves now um mm. for for things to kind of you know like oh where do we go next you know one of the kids one of the carers sent me a video the other day of their young person doing a workout in the garden but rather than doing a workout he was doing it on bubble wrap so he's going to try and teach him to do like quick feet and stuff and and i guess it's it's what i would love to see and encourage from from all our carers and staff is sharing those ideas with each other to kind of making sure that we all kind of go we've all got kids living at home at the moment we've all we're all we are all getting to a point where we're like, what do we do next? What do we do next? And it's good mm. to have that refresh, isn't it? And for me, that lower brain stem box is, I think it's that thing that's going to get me through the summer holidays. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe just for me, I don't know about my kids, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the, the TheraPlay world, um, so if you go onto the TheraPlay websites, um, uh, American and the English ones, they have, amazing ideas for joy and pleasure in activity um 
uh, that uh, that are short um, and fun and joyous. Um, and um, yeah, if anyone's particularly interested in developing play therapeutically, the TheraPlay training is amazing. I did that a couple of years ago and sat in a room full of foster carers, social workers and um, OTs and psychologists. And it was uh, foster carers that absolutely knew what the child needed and knew their trade and was integrating and using this stuff just so beautifully. So yeah, the TheraPlay was a really burgeoning place of knowledge yeah in terms of connection through play and that's what was yeah that's really that's that's the the, the p in pace really and i guess at the moment obviously when we're talking about um you know a lot of kids might say um oh well i, I play already you know i i play only because i'm bringing it back to technology and stuff and how important it is to take play away from people so people understand what plays to me when you sit and play the game like Fortnite. What you're actually doing is you're in a heightened state of anxiety thinking oh i'm on edge i'm gonna get killed i'm gonna get killed mm. and it creates a tension doesn't it and i think because sometimes people have mistaken me for saying thinking that when i talk about playing with technology i mean that but you know things like um uh, like remote control cars do you know what i mean stuff that mm. it's that it's that banding between um technology and like and what's actually fun isn't it because when you talk about joy and fun that's the kind of play we want isn't it we don't want people mm. locked into this insular world where they're like no i'm not doing anything apart from this and i think trying to get them out of that is, is difficult mm. um but mm. we and I, but i just love that i you know i know i keep coming about that blooming lower stem lower brain stem box but it just comes back to that it's trying to find the right mm. things to go in there um, it's the, the the thing about you know the the digital world and the, the games that all our kids are playing and there's you know they there's a function to that it's you know it's, it's you know it's it is brilliant it's so exciting but for with my AT hat on it's doing stuff that gives the child a sense of agency and often when you're doing something in relationship with someone and you're seeing the impact of it on you and on them, the child gets a sense of agency, it really sees how it can impact the world mm -hmm. in a 3D which goes into um, the emotional memory of your brain and just, it's, um, it's really, really powerful stuff. I think that's really true what you've just said, isn't it? Because when you see it in the 3D world, you see how it interacts with everything around you. You mm. see, you, you get it and I guess you figure out more. Um, I'm just trying to um, hang on. Sorry, one second. I um, oh, I've just dropped my pen. Sorry. <laughs> You're all right. <laughs> um. So um, when so obviously we've talked about the links and um, we'll put those um underneath so that anybody listening to this can can go through and find them. Um. So when we kind of try to say summarise or to kind of it's a massive thing to summarise, isn't it? But what 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 else would you like to share with our carers and colleagues and you know, that are listening to this, that can kind of, they leave, they can leave this and go, do you know what? Play is back on the agenda, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, but for me, I've got this, um, I've got this picture on my wall. Um, it, it, just, I'm looking at it now in the study, actually. And it says for, for, I'll summarise it, but it says for, for when you teach someone something, it takes 400 repetitions for the child to learn it. So if you're saying, 
you know, if you're teaching them something, but if they learn something in play, it tends it takes ten to twenty repetitions. Wow. So it is that three D somatic interface with the world that helps our children to learn. Um, and um, and it's and it's us being in dyad with them that enables them to to, to learn. And and play is about um, so much and um, yeah in terms of how it integrates us and prepares us for the future so that's a key thing for me I think that's incredible and I and, and you know what and hearing you say that I think everybody listening to this will go yeah that makes sense because when you play something yourself you you, you pick it up quicker yeah you, you just do rather than just you know is that multi-sensory integration and simulation isn't it it goes to different parts of your brain and um, it just yeah it's just powerful well, Juliet, um, right. thank you. Yes, I'm right. gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get spending some money. Um, and, um, <laughs> I, I will, um, I will add those links to um, underneath so that everyone can can check out those websites, um, the Sensory Education website and the TheraPlay website as well. And, also, um, yeah. Also, before I go, just there are some brilliant podcasts. I'm just madly, um, I love podcasts. I'll probably why I'm doing this with you actually. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. So if you put play podcasts into iTunes, lots of um, play therapy communities, particularly in the states, have done some really good, um, um, yeah, podcasts with a huge richness of information there. Um, particularly um, around playing with children with um, who have experienced um, early attachment and trauma challenges. So yeah, it's definitely worth going on iTunes and having a look at their play podcasts. Oh, um, we'll hopefully link to some of those so that you can just click the links and, and it will yeah. be quick. Cool. Brilliant. Um, well, cool. Juliet, thanks ever so much. Um, enjoy, uh, enjoy, enjoy your darts later. Good luck. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Juliet. Take care. Bye, Ed. Bye. Bye.